There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I know you, you Northerners like all that, though, don't you? The mines and all that sort of thing. Yeah, we um we we have to buy the um the communist, the socialist worker every week. Or... Is that is that, yeah? But that that means you're red, doesn't it? That that's got serious implications as a Tottenham fan. Well, rather that than a Tory. It's the only time it's acceptable. It's Chelsea or Arsenal, really, though, isn't it? I don't know. It's <laughs> you know, but yeah, politics is not my strong point. Um, neither's football, really. But here we go, anyway. <laughs> um, so, rule the roost um, is back once again up in your grill, mother lovers. Um, yeah, Chelsea. How 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 did that how did that pan out for you, Raj? Um, it's really good. Um, I mean, the first half was was pretty much perfect. Phenomenal, um, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was. Um, it was exactly what we wanted. We scored when we were on top, um, and we should have been. We should have been further ahead, to be honest. That that Polino's chance um, right at the stroke of half time was, was got in that it didn't go in. Um, well, he had the two, didn't he? If I if I remember correctly, he had one which was an incredible interception from Ivanovic, and then there's a the second one where he. Just maybe should have done better. Yeah, I think the the first one was a half chance, if anything. Um, the second one was definitely one that he, he could have done better with. He was a little bit um, unbalanced, but um, I, I mean, had we won the game one 0 we wouldn't be thinking about it. But it's one of those where, <laughs> with hindsight, you you kind of look back on it and you think, I, I wish that one had gone in. I mean. All the kind of the nonsense aside of the the face scratching and did Vertonghen dive, didn't he? Um, Torres was a real menace in the game, I thought. It's the best I've seen him play for Chelsea in quite some time. Um, and I, I don't know, he really he really seemed to get at us, which was I, I found personally quite concerning. Well, yeah, the, the thing that's normally levelled at him and something that was levelled at him last week by Joe um, is that he, he mokes around the pitch because he, he appears to not have the the mentality and he doesn't seem to be loved, but he, he seems to channel that into some sort of bitchy rage anger last week and, and was all over the place and getting in everyone's faces. Um, I think it was someone on Sky, it might have been even Jamie Carragher, that made a decent point, which is 
Manchester saying it itself that he, um, he said was had it been Dawson that he'd, he'd gone in for that header with I don't think he'd have gone in with that much bite because there seemed to be a little bit of previous going on with Vertonghen he seemed to go in that little bit harder which um, swayed the referee's decision somewhat um, I personally didn't think it was a red card for that I think over the course of the game he probably earned himself a sending off but um for that challenge alone, it wasn't a yellow card. I mean, karma dictates, so, he, he, you know, the scratch to the face, that's a red card offence in itself, for me, anyway. Um, well, not for the FA, though. The FA have come out and released a statement saying there'll be no retrospective punishment for that whatsoever, which is... Um, What's this nonsense? It's, it's because the third official saw it happen at the time and didn't mention it to the referee it means that they can't do anything retrospectively, if I'm correct as, in saying that. Well, yeah, as far as I understand, the referee has to almost admit to making a mistake in his in his match notes. So he has to, in, when he hands it into to whoever has been inspecting the game, he has to say, I don't think I got this bit right, or this bit probably needs to look, be looked at again. Whereas what the referee will have, will have handed in um, for it to be turned over in that manner will have been... We saw it at the time when we judged it. It wasn't. It didn't need acting on any further. And the FA have taken that as a way of getting out of having to act themselves. Which do you, th- um, do you think that was a rule that was in place when Uriah Rennie was still a Premier League referee? Because they didn't want <laughs> the admin to, <laughs> everything to come out afterwards. If if he had to sort of note every time he made a mistake, and then they had to act retrospectively, it would uh, would cause quite a quite a nightmare. Oh, good old good old Uriah. I think more um, more recently than that last season with, with Suarez and things that that was that wasn't punished on the day. That's all retrospectively punished. So um, it kind of makes a mockery of past decisions that they've not gone back and given him a game or given him a rap on knuckles or something like that. To completely throw it out of the window seems um, a bizarre decision to say the least. Positives. Another goal for Siggy. He's 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 really relishing the competition. I think and. Seems that getting played in a position that's actually more suited to his game is, you know, really benefiting him. Uh, you know, understatement of the year. But three goals in what as many games? It's not bad. You still there, Raj? Yeah, um, I mean that goal for me was made by yeah that goal for me was made by um, Christian Eriksen dropping his shoulder and and making that little bit gap just by the one little split second movement he made um, as the ball was played towards him and that completely opened Chelsea in that that split second and then the passing to Soldado who had been in for a little bit of criticism as late for, for not scoring as as much as people think he would but I mean it's something that was levelled at Adibayor when he was playing a similar sort of role so we don't need to, to overstep that sort of area again uh, but he played a, a lovely ball back into Sigurds and then he finished really well and it was really instinctive um, Townsend as well I think he, he showed a new level of maturity to his game I know it's, it sounds a bit silly to say after one game but you know, given all the wild shots and things the week before, now it seemed as though he was kind of doing all the all, all the positive work he was doing previously, so dribbling, taking on the fullback, but instead of just lashing a shot after kind of doing all that hard work, he was actually looking for the pass, looking for a way to influence the game as a whole as opposed to just having a shot, um, which I think is really positive for a young player such as that, if he really wants to hold his place in the team with someone like Lamella breathing down his neck, with Aaron Lennon breathing down his neck, um, the fact that he can show game to game that he can actually adapt his style um, is really positive. And I think he comes in for a lot of undue criticism. 
I think he's a player that if we just signed for 15, 20 million, people would be waxing lyrical about him at the moment. And I don't think he deserves quite a lot of the, the flack he actually gets at the moment. He's no, but he's by no means the finished article, but uh, you know, I think he's very positive. And as you were touching on there as well with Soldado, I think it's 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 rubbish. If you watched the game, you saw he was still influential despite not having scored a goal. Um, the, you know, he he causes defenders problems. He draws defenders away um, from other people, and he's he's been putting passes in and stuff as well in the build up to goals. Um, I mean, uh, uh, the assist was actually his, wasn't it, for Sigurdsson's goal? Yeah, as far as um, Townsend concerned, though, just to to make sure it's on the record, I couldn't disagree in any stronger any stronger terms about his um, his recent performances and the way he's perceived by um, Tottenham fans at the moment. I think that's something that we we um, we see very differently. Um, not to want to drag it out too much, but I I remember last season when Livermore started in the team. He was um, he was offered a little bit of grace because he was a Tottenham boy who'd come through the youth system, and even though his performances weren't up to scratch, he was offered that tiny bit more leeway. Um, the rope to which hanging was a slightly bit longer than it would be had he been a, another player that had come in from outside as far as I was concerned. Um, obviously, <laughs> this terrible performance has caught up with him in the end and pretty much everyone turned him after some point. But um, with Townsend, I think it's, from where I'm standing, something similar. that He's um, he's almost getting too much praise for, for what the performances he's putting in. I mean, pointing out that he's making runs and playing passes where he should be is, is bread and butter for a Premier League footballer. Um, and cutting out the, the wild shots is, is something that he should be doing on the training pitches. He shouldn't be doing it in the first place as far as I'm concerned. I may be too harsh on him. Um, I, think you are, case, I, think, I really think you are. As far as he, I'm concerned with it. He was, he was, the, the right wingers that we've got, he's, he's third choice in my mind. Uh, Aaron Lennon's a better footballer. He's better at tracking back. Um, and Eric Lamella will be first choice within time. Um I, I don't. I, I'm not singing his his praises at the, the same place other people are. I just don't see him being that good. Uh, being energetic and running isn't something that impresses me much, unfortunately. I think you, you, I, I don't think you can just say that he was just energetic and you know made good runs against Chelsea. He was he was influential in a lot of our positive play, like the passes he was making, the players he was picking out. It was fantastic. He had a really, really good game against Chelsea. As far as I can remember, he made one good pass inside um, between two players where he would normally have shot, and that is a positive, but that's one pass that I can remember that he did in that that first half that was of any note. Well, we'll agree to completely disagree. I, I don't think you can compare him to Livermore at all either. I think that's very harsh. Much the same as people who are giving Dawson slack. Slack? Um, flack at the moment. Um, there's not enough slack being given to Dawson. I, I wasn't complaining to him as a player. I was, I was, I was, the, the attitude towards him is what I was... No, saying. no, you compared him to Livermore, that's it. Anyway. <laughs> no, the attitude towards, um, <laughs> towards him is what I was comparing with Livermore. I know what you're saying. But, uh, right, well, let's... We, we've got another derby. It's uh, it was It's been donned thumpy, thumpy thought night. Thumpy fortnight. Um, as we've had Cardiff, then Chelsea, and now West Ham on the horizon. So that's a, I think the the firm lads will be uh, happy to see this run of fixtures out of the way. But yeah, we do have West Ham um, this Saturday, and thus we are joined by 
Sean um, from more than just a podcast. He's a discernible um, West Ham fan. Hello, Sean. Thank you. And welcome to Rule the Roost. Hi, chaps. Thanks for having me on. No, it's, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Um, so, yeah, if you want to tell us a little bit more about your, your podcast and the other things you do, um, now's your chance. Yeah, so I'm, uh, well, first of all, I'm a season ticket holder in Sir Trevor Brook in Lowell, which is uh, the, the stand right next to the away uh, fans. So if you've ever been to uh, Upton Park or the Bowleen Ground, as we call it, uh, I sit right next to the away fans. That's where my season ticket is, uh, just to the left of the goal. Uh, but as you say, I, I run a, or I'm a, a presenter on a, a podcast called More Than Just a Podcast, and that's M O. RE after the famous Bobby Moore uh, and I'm a blogger on um, one of the, the biggest West Ham blogs called West Ham to I Die which is run by Ian Dale which uh, you know is, is on LBC and, and, and known in his own right he's been in the news lately um, and, and I'm quite well known on Twitter I go by the handle of at uh, West Ham football which I've been doing I've got about 16,000 followers and I've been doing that for a few Years does exactly so, yeah. what it says on the tin, eh, Sean? No? Absolutely, West Ham football. So, yeah, well, th- thanks for joining us. Um, I guess we'd, we'd start as we do with most of our guests on uh, what were your, your thoughts on your on your summer as a West Ham fan? 17 million on Andy Carroll that, that stands out for me. Yeah, well, it, it, it was a the summer started off quite well in some ways. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk about financial fair play and we got quite frustrated that, you know, before anyone else really talked about it, there was Sam back in April talking about financial fair play. There was a chairman talking about financial play. Anytime a camera's pointed at them, we not, might not be able to get Andy Carroll. And they set the expectations that we probably wouldn't be able to get Andy Carroll. Personally, I never worked this out. We were already paying his wages, said to be, you know, £80,000 a week from... Uh, Liverpool, so what was the difference? It's all about wages, as we know financial fair play is. We want to pay him a similar amount. You know, it's rumoured to, you know, don't believe the papers that we're paying him 100 grand a week. It's more like 85 grand a week. But we bought him. Um, I believe it's 15 and a half uh, plus add-ons on a five-year contract. Now, that might sound bad business at the moment, considering, you know, he, he came back from injury and um and has broken down again and, and at the moment he's in um in rehabilitation over in um uh Belgium getting treatment and, and we hope uh that he can start light training again later this month and uh and maybe start playing for us in, in November or December. But the the big news for us is there's no plan B. You know, we spent probably the last bit of money. We did some other business, I think you know, Rat was a good signing for us. Roland Rat, as he's calling himself now. Uh, Adrian, I think, was a good backup goalkeeper. Um, so, and, and, and bringing Ravel Morrison through the ranks is like a new signing as well, to be perfectly honest. You know, he's a revelation. You know, he's, he's had a season out at Birmingham coming. He's like a new signing. But we bought Stuart Downing. We spent six million on him. Uh, and a lot of questions are being asked. You know, why don't we spend it on a striker? Uh, we were talking to Jermaine Defoe. I don't know if you know the rumours, but certainly Sam and Jermaine were in the same restaurant. They said it was just a coincidence. <coughs> and then uh, our um, uh, vice chairman also met with uh, Defoe. But again, that was a coincidence. They just bumped into each other. How fortuitous, you know. Yeah. yeah. But we couldn't do a deal. 
um, with, with uh, Jermaine uh, or Lukaku or a host of other um, strikers. And, and there was, I guess, two reasons for that. I, I guess one, we weren't, we didn't have the money anymore to pay up front. We only wanted loan deals. We desperately wanted Demba Bar back, um, but uh, Demba Bar, I'm not sure, really wanted to come to us. Uh, Chelsea didn't want him to go to uh, Arsenal. And uh, and it, it just broke down. You know, I think everybody knew at the end of the day, Andy Carroll, if he's fit, is our only striker. And therefore, if you want regular play, everyone thought, well, there's no point in going on loan or coming to West Ham because I'll be sitting on the bench because Andy Carroll will be playing week in, week out. Andy Carroll's not fit and we've got no plan B because, as we've seen in the last few games, um we're very good defensively. You know, we've conceded nearly all our goals against set pieces, you know, some penalties, free kicks from Baines. Um, you know, one of the few goals we've conceded is against Lukaku and, and what amazing he is. But, you know, we can't see where the goals are going to come for at the moment. We've, we've had one from Ravel Morrison. Um, that's great. And, and hopefully they come from midfield, but we've got nothing up front. Unless our saviour, Carlton Cole, who's coming back in the next few days, I don't think he's going to be fit for Sunday, guys. Uh, I'm coming on Sunday, by the way. I'm, I'm going corporate on Sunday. I don't know whether Carlton Cole is going to be ready to unveil as our new big temporary signing on, on Sunday. But that's where our problem is. I think we did I good. thought you'd passed up on Carlton Cole, didn't you? Weren't you going to... You released him and I thought yeah. you were going to re-sign but didn't he fail the medical? Well, yes and no. So... Um, Carlton Cole was released. He was on 30 grand a week with us. Uh, he wanted 40. So we released him. He was, he, I think he was offered similar to what, what he was already on, but he turned it down. Uh, no, as we know, no club picked him up. He's got dodgy knees and everybody knows this. Sam's even admitted it on Sky last week. He has a special training program to keep him fit because of his dodgy knees. And I don't think anyone was prepared to take a chance on him. So he did fail in medical. You're right. Uh, we've allowed him to train with us on on Friday press conference. Sam Allardyce said he's fit. He stays away. He's going to sign. So it should be announced this week, certainly before the weekend. And there's an outside chance he'll be sitting on the bench, but uh, I don't know yet. I think he scored two goals for us in a preseason friendly, didn't he? Actually, um... well, did he? Did he? Because I've been told that's a bit of an urban myth. Do you know that for a fact? Because when no. I talk to people in in the know, they say that's an urban myth, and and I know someone who knows his agent very well, and uh, they said it's an urban myth that was around Twitter and repeated, but I don't think it was true. Well, you mean he was pe- definitely training with us, though, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was training with us. But I think, yeah, the the, the point of conjecture is whether he scored the uh, the two goals for us alongside Soldado. And I think yeah. everyone on Twitter was also saying, yeah, he completely outshone Soldado in this game, and everyone was getting worried that we spent all this money on someone that Carlton yeah. Cole was outperforming. Well, now, now we know that was a lie. Now we. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, so how about because um, I mean, you resigned Joe Cole last year, one of the one of the old guard. It seems strange to say because I remember when Joe Cole was breaking through as a promising youngster, and now is kind of winding down his career. View it seems yeah. like he's he's kind of taken the the mantle of being like your your savior for one of not really savior, but like your your linchpin um, 
on quite well. He's scored a few goals, hasn't he? Has he, he I think well, he, again, he can't keep fit. He's one of three players that has special training programmes. One's Carlton Cole. The other one's uh, Jack Collison, who's just gone on loan to AFC Bournemouth today because uh, we've got so many midfielders. And the other one's Joe Cole. You know, again, Joe Cole's knees and hamstrings can't take... You can't play him two games in a row. He, he just cannot two, play two games in a week. Um, so he has a special training programme. And it's keeping him fit. His hamstring's gone again. So if you look at, you know, we, we were making a joke saying that um, Liverpool were our new feeder club, right? Because, you know, Joe Cole, Andy Carroll and Stuart Downing. Well, you know, we've paid all that money. All right, they made massive losses on, on all three, but all three of them are injured at the moment. Stuart Downing's just coming back from injury, had a leg injury, and I know he's not usually injured. Andy Carroll's been injured pretty much since we bought him permanently. And Joe Cole is is recovering from. He's just started light training again, suffering from a hamstring. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Joe Cole. He's he's here at West. He's West Ham through and through. He wanted to come back. He took a massive pay cut to come from Liverpool back to West Ham, and a massive. You know, I, I know he got a big payoff from Liverpool, but he, he he took. You know, you just don't hear it from footballers nowadays. And he wants to play for us, uh, but his hamstrings, his knees. I don't think he, he, he's he's more of an impact player for us um, because we just can't afford <laughs> to have him play week in week out because we know he just end up in the treatment room. I mean, it seems strange. Has ha, has there been a big change over the the past few years in terms of the backroom staff at the academy or anything like that? Because I, you know, throughout the Premiership years, you've seen the West Ham academy put out some really really top class players and. That seems to have dried up as of late. I mean, I know you've had Noble come through, and he's kind of, you know, he's 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 done all right for himself, and he he, he looks like a tidy kind of decent Premiership player. Um, and there was a lot of talk a few years ago about Freddie Sears, um, if I'm correct, but that never seems to have materialised. I mean, did you lose any particularly influential youth coaches, or was there a change to the setup or anything? No, I I think you know we we've lived on our reputation. So Tony Carr. Is still the main man, and he has been for many years. Who, who bought through, you know? Well, you know, I know De- Defoe was at Charlton, but then when he joined us, and and the, the likes of Frank Lampard and Carrick and you know Ferdinand, etc. They, they they've all come through Tony Carr. He's still the man in charge. He's the academy director. You know, we we call ourselves the Academy of Football, and you know we had a very good record. No, it hasn't really worked. We we had a good prospect. We fought very recently in Robert Hall, but he went off to Bolton and we're waiting for that to go to tribunal. Um, we've got Elliot Lee coming through at the moment and maybe George Moncur, but it's difficult to say whether they really will make it. And and I asked the same question. I, I was at one of these fans forums and asked, um, you know, Big Sam Allardyce, the exact thing, you know, why don't the kids get a chance? Um, and he said, you know, no one really wants to take a, a gamble anymore. Ravel Morrison has sort of broken the trend. He said, you know, there's only a handful of people that really get straight in like, you know, Michael Owen does at 16, straight into the premiership because it's such big money nowadays. You know, it, it's very difficult to play the real youngsters. They have to learn their trade in the championship, really prove themselves in the championship and, and then come up. But we were talking on our West Ham podcast yesterday of, this very thing and we think we've been left behind a little bit West Ham in the academy because while we've got very good staff we think our facilities are lagging behind so you know Arsenal 
your rivals have bought this new training ground, 140 acres, um, in, in 1999. Um, then Chelsea obviously got another 140 acre, uh, campus in Cobham, Surrey, where they've got state of the art, where they spent 20 million. And certainly I did my research and reading up with you guys, you've got your new training ground that's 77 acres and, yeah. and costs 30 million pound. Um, and we've sort of done it the other way around. We, we've got our new stadium, <laughs> 54,000 stadium, but we haven't invested in our training facilities. You've got your training facilities, but haven't sorted out your stadium yet. And I, I really think we should be investing for the long term. I think we should, you know, our, our training facilities got three pitches at the moment and uh, porter cabins, basically, and is under 10 acres. We bought a new ground in Rush Green just by Romford. It's 29 acres. But again, you know, if that's going to be the site, I think it needs to be bigger. And I think we need to put money in. We need the hydro pools. We need the, the t- I think you've got 10 pitches. You need all of that now. Because if you're going to attract the best youngsters there is in England and around the world to your academy, you can't just trade on your name anymore. You've got to have the facilities to match it. And, and, and that's where I think we're lagging behind. Yeah, it seems strange from what you're saying that Chelsea would even bother because it doesn't seem to be reflected in their first team at all really in in terms of bringing youngsters through but i think long term it will i think it's a long term play by abramovich um that you know it's not 5 years it might be 10 it might even be 15 and i think when you invest in as they've done and you've done and arsenal have done and and even everton and and manchester united it's a long term game it's something manchester been, city have just bought yeah manchester city have done it as well um, and it's a long-term game of, of you know, the next 15 or 20 years. And I think that you've got to have ambition and strategy like that to look at the long game. It might not come in five years. And, and the problem with football fans now, and I had this argument with many West Ham fans, is everybody wants it immediate, you know? Now, I don't want to spend that £20 million on a training facility. I'd rather buy it, spend a new striker in January. And, and, and I think it's very short-sighted. It's almost like people with pensions at the moment. No one wants to invest in pensions because they think it's a risk and it's too far away to think about. But I really think, you, you know, if we if we want to be a club that's in the Premier League for a long time, then we need to invest in our future and get a training ground that's the same as, if not better than you guys, Arsenal and and uh, and, and um, Chelsea in, in London. So can I take from that that you're not... Uh... You're not overly enamoured with the the stewardship of Messrs Golden Sullivan at the moment, then? Or? No, no, you've got me completely wrong. I'm a big fan of Sullivan and Gold. Um, I think it's you know it's one thing at a time. I think they've done a great job actually in in getting down our debt. You know, so when when they took over, there was about 110 million pound of debt. You know, various things we owed bank debt of over 50 million. We owed stuff to. Uh, um, well, the Sheffield United, we we'd sold two season tickets worth of uh, two uh, seasons of season ticket uh, value to the banks, uh, and, and we were in a real mess. And uh, you know, greatest respect to Tony Fernandez. Uh, I didn't want him in charge, and, and you know, good luck to him at QPR. And I didn't want the American consulting me because I didn't want a Glazer situation. You know, these are two British guys. I don't you know, I don't care where they made their money. Uh, they are fans. I, I've met both of them. They are truly passionate about it. And with Karen Brady, love her or hate her, she is a very good business person. And if they've done one thing, the business now 
of getting the debt under the control has been brilliant and getting the Olympic Stadium has been brilliant. But I want them to do now. The next stage is once they've got the debt down uh, by next year, I've estimated uh, it's going to be around the sort of 35 million mark of, of, of bank debt. I think we're going to have about 25 million left on mortgage towards the stadium that we've got to get rid of before we move. Um, once we've got rid of that debt under the control a bit more, then I think that's when I'm going to be calling for now we need to invest in, in a training ground. See, one of my big concerns um, as a Spurs fan about West Ham getting the Olympic Stadium has been that, do you think you're being primed to be sold? I mean, when you when you look at the likes of Manchester City, I mean, they were a club similar size to you. They got the City of Manchester Stadium after the Commonwealth Games, um, had a nice big brand new stadium and they were swiftly sold to like a foreign consortium and now the rest is history. I mean, could you see West Ham being primed for something like that? I mean, you, you know, you've already, you've already got a name as such, you know, West Ham, you're a famous club. Um, you will have now a massive stadium, which with all due respect, I can't honestly see you filling at the moment. Um, do you think you could be in line to be sold? I don't think so. The chairman has said they're not. They want to hand it down to the next generation. You know, Jack is a West Ham fan who's, who's David Sullivan's son, uh, famous on Twitter. Uh, Jacqueline Gold and Vanessa Gold are both West Ham fans come to the game. You know, there's provision in their wheels uh, to, to pass the shares on. What the chairman have said is we would only sell it if the next uh, owners are uber rich and can take it to the absolutely next level. But do you know what? It doesn't matter whether you're uber rich anymore because of the way financial fair play is the door's shut now. You know, this is the problem. Financial fair play is not really financial fair play. In fact, if you look at the Premiership, um, sorry, the Premier League handbook, they don't actually mention fair play at all. They talk about financial regulations and the reason probably for that is is it probably isn't fair. You know, the, the big boys are sort of closing ranks. And now, if a billionaire comes in, he can't suddenly whack that all on wages, etc. Maybe there's some ways around it of sponsoring through one of his companies a training ground and bringing in extra revenue and commercial revenue. But do you know what? You can't buy, like Man City did and like Chelsea did, it's going to be very difficult to suddenly start, you know, where we're spending, you know, 54 million this year on wages and Man City is spending 200 million. We can't suddenly move from 54 to 200 million overnight anymore without being in, in um, you know, breach of those rules and facing a points deduction. So, you know, the whole adage of big, you know, overseas owners coming in and buying clubs, I think will reduce now because of the, the impact of financial fair play. So, I mean, are you... I mean, what are your thoughts about moving to the Olympic Stadium then? You know, Upton Park, the bowling ground, it's, yeah, it's like your, it's your spiritual home. It's you know, the place where you've been for, for many, many years now. I mean, isn't that part of you that's, you know, I, I mean, for whatever Spurs fans will say about West Ham, one of the things is that, you know, you can always say about the fans is that you're, you're very passionate. You always just seem to get behind the team. Um Going to somewhere like the Olympic Stadium where, you know, it's a huge stadium, you've got the running track. Do, are you worried that, you know, the atmosphere is going to suffer from, you know, whether or not you fill the stadium? Um, and like I say, with you being so far from the pitch, 
with it being a modern, brand new stadium which isn't built for football, um, is 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 it a concern? Well, I've been pro stadium from day one, and and probably I'm a little bit biased because I, I became I, I sit on the West Ham uh, fans advisory board, so I do get to meet the chairman and uh, and Karen Brady, etc. And when the Olympic Stadium came on, I was on the group that looked at that from a fans consultation. And I was the chair of, of that committee. So I was very privileged in the early days to look at the plans and be involved in the, the consultation and sign confidentiality agreements with, you know, you know, the OLDC and, and, and West Ham United to be able to get privileged access. Now, nearly all of that is now out in the open. So I, I feel uh, a connection with it because I was involved in it. Now, I think the, the stadium is, a, is an exciting move. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it takes us to the next level. However, like you said, I'm, I'm nervous because... Hello? Hello, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry I had someone... I think we lost Raj. Um, I'm nervous because I love my seat sitting in the Sir Trevor Brook in Lower... You know, the atmosphere on an evening game is electric. The atmosphere is really good. You know, I love the shops, the pie and mash shops and everything else, but, but we have to move in. The transport around there is awful. We can't develop anymore. The infrastructure is awful. And the stadium's falling down, to be perfectly honest. So I have to put sentiment to one side. Yes, I'm going to miss it. Thinking of the stadium itself, um, again, big gambles. Where am I going to sit in the stadium? You know, we're going to, we're investing, or the taxpayers investing lots of money for retractable seating, so we will come right up to the pitch. Um, so I'm not worried about the running track. Okay, I wasn't we, aware of that actually. So. Yeah. So, so what what will the atmospheres be like? I don't know. We're going to have this biggest roof in, in the whole of Europe, apparently, on our stadium that's going to enclose it. We're going to have a cop-like stadium. We're going to brand it West Ham. So, but I'm still a bit nervous. If we get it right, it's going to be fantastic. And we're, we're going to forget, you know, we won't forget we were in the bowling ground, but, you know, it will be fantastic. However, it's a big gamble, but you have to take big gambles in business and in football if you want to move to the next level. And I don't think we can carry on being a yo-yo club of being relegated and back. And we, haven't really, we don't want mid-season obscurity. We want to move to the level. We want to get back to the glory days of the 60s when Bobby Moore you know, and Jeff Hurst were playing and, and, and West Ham won the... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. World Cup for England. So um, it's, I think you, he's got it. And, and just to answer your last question, which is about how you fill it, if there's one thing the chairman and Karen Brady are good at, and that's filling a stadium, um, it's all about the marketing so, you know, supply and demand, uh, you know, we what it means is, and whether this is palatable or not, in the upper tier of the Olympic Stadium, I don't know if you've been to the Olympic Stadium, I went to the opening ceremony and, and found it a great experience, but in the upper tier we're going to put away fans. And I don't think we're going to have problem putting, you know, if when we play Manchester United, most of them live in London now anyway, um, we probably put fifteen thousand in if they if they want to come and watch in the Olympic Stadium. Fifteen thousand away fans, or uh, tourists and neutrals in there as well. Um, maybe not create a neutral area like Fulham, but 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 have some areas where tourists can experience it as well. And you know what? When we're playing Wigan on a dark Monday evening, then you know we sell the tickets appropriately, whether it be a pound, ten pound, or whatever. So um, I know a lot of people say you won't fill the stadium, but I think we've got some marketeers that are very good at filling stadiums. I think I've got, uh, sorry to take the mic, the only thing I've got to say, Sean, as you're saying about the way they do it, I, I have to take umbrage to the, the latest drive, which is the come see City superstars at the bowling. You can't, you, you can't like seeing that, surely, no. as, a, and, as a fan. And- yeah, I I don't, and, and you know I'll, I'll tell you the truth of that. I know the marketing director, and um, I, I wrote a piece of the uh, on this blog. It was a mistake, right? It's been blown out of all proportion. It was on a website for twelve hours. It should have never gone up. Uh, we all experience, but nowadays in the in the modern age, even though they took it down after twelve hours, it'd been copied and put on Twitter, and it'd been put on Facebook and everything else. Um, it's a human error and, and, and hopefully the West Ham marketing team have learnt about it. You know, we don't want to be a laughing stock with, with that marketing. Uh, and I, I'm, in some ways I'm glad it's been done now and not later. And I think West Ham have learnt a lesson because it's not, you know, we don't want to, you guys probably were having a giggle about it. You know, as West Ham fans, we were furious about it. We we're absolutely furious. You know, even some people saying, well, that's boycott the game. Let's not go to the Man City game uh, just because they did that. And I think that's a bit of an overreaction. Um, but I think, you know, we all make mistakes. That was a mistake. We're going we're gonna to move on. And I doubt anyone in the marketing team is ever going to try that tact again. <laughs> I mean, like like you say, you know, of just, course. Uh, just to... Go for it, Raj. Go to get stuck in, mate. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, stadium something I've done quite a bit of reading because obviously we were linked with it for, for quite a while and reasons we were linked to it isn't something we shouldn't really go into because that's a, a separate issue on its own. Yeah, um, Spurs game, of, but we won't go there. Um, and yeah, in terms of um, West Ham's figures with filling your own stadium, uh, the figures that I've got available um, from the, the research I've done, you're currently filling your home stadium to around 90 to 92% in terms of attendance. So that's a 35,000 City Stadium that you're not filling. Um, I don't think you had many sold out games last season at all, if, if any. Um, there's repeatedly from Tottenham fans, as you say, poking fun at you, um, pictures of adverts on the back of the Metro for, for season tickets going out when you obviously 
want, want to project yourself as a big club when we've got 30,000 people um, on our waiting list for a season ticket and, and our stadium's only got a 1,000 more seats than yours. So they're, they're very similar sized size places, but the, the demand for tickets seems to be very different. Um, I, I can't see how, even with sustained success in the Premier League, you're going to find 19,000 more people to, to go to the ground every every week. It doesn't seem to be a viable option for me. I mean, monetarily, in terms of selling tickets, they may well hike them up and make their money that way. But it, for me, it, it seems like a, a very odd decision and one that doesn't seem viable from the outside looking in it. It's, it. It seems like it's inviting people when you, you have your first game there and there's there's empty seats for people to just ridicule. Well, first of all, I'm going to correct you. We we do sell out. Most of last season was a sellout. Um, we, in fact, right up into the Everton game last week, we'd sold 19 uh, sellouts in a row. So... 19 games in a row at home we'd sold out right up into Everton and even Everton I think we our our um uh attendance was you know I don't know just about a thousand maybe two thousand shy so with 35,000 19 games in a row at Upton Park bowling ground were sold out and then um Everton unfortunately we, we were a couple of thousand shy so I, I think the 35,000 you know, for the big games, absolutely, we could sell a lot more. And and when we went to Wembley and when we went to Cardiff, and I know you're going to say, but they're one-off games. You know, there are there's big. The West Ham fan base for West Ham is over one million people. That's how many people we've got in our database that have bought tickets in the past. So we have a lot of casual um, people that that come, not just season ticket holders. Um, but I also think the Olympic Stadium is a destination. I think because of its history in the Olympic Stadium and where it is and the ease to get there, I think we can attract a lot more people, even possibly from the continent. That, that's that's the hope anyway, and we hope we can get a new generation because of our partnership. So is it a welcoming? Is it a welcoming thought for you that you're going to be supplementing your football club supportership with essentially tourists rather than West Ham yeah, fans? It's, it's it's not absolutely welcoming, but the way I've I've sort of cleared it with myself is that the lower tier will be the, the core West Ham and where the season ticket holders will be and the core support we always know and almost like the bowling ground itself. And the upper tier will be the away fans and the tourists and the casual fans. That's the way I've sort of put it in my head and sort of justified it to myself. But it is business. You might have to revise that one if you uh, get Millwall back to the Olympic Stadium anytime soon, Sean. I can't imagine the... Uh... The West Ham fans below will be too happy having all the Millwall lads above them. Yeah, well, they, they, there's no direct... Because of the way the retractable seating is, they won't be able to drop anything. And I think if Millwall happened, I mean, Millwall would never fill the Olympics same. I mean, look, guys, we've got to wait and see, but I think we've got some of the best business people, best marketeers, and as long as West Ham can step that next level then, I, I, you know, we want to build. Will we get, you know, 40,000 season ticket orders overnight? No. But, you know, look, look at Chelsea. Chelsea went through a poor period in, you know, in the 90s. And Pretty much all of time until they got bought. Well, they did, the didn't they? Pitch, yeah. I mean, we, we always sing to them, where were you when you were shit? Yeah. And, um, you know, they were really badly supported. But, you know, a bit of... Um, a bit of suddenly success and it, it's amazing who comes out the woodwork um, and we want success for West Ham 
I think we can still have the atmosphere. West Ham fans are passionate. And I think that, you know, we want to claim that lower tier for ourselves. Uh, I'm not too bothered where what happens with the upper tier myself, as long as they all pay their money to sit in their seat. <laughs> all right, well, let's move on. Um, the the season ahead, I mean, what are your, what are your realistic hopes for, for the year ahead, Sean? I mean, are you happy with Sam Allardyce? I mean, I know he's been kind of the sort of manager that, you know, I can imagine when you first maybe brought him in, you were thinking like, oh, you know, here we go. It's going to be route one. It's going to be kind of mid-table. I mean, are you happy for that? Would you want to see him in charge? Can you see him getting you much more than that at the moment? Well, he's, you know, we saw him as a necessary evil and maybe he is. Um, you know, Martin O'Neill nearly came to us and, and he agreed and he sort of mucked us around a bit. And we were all upset when Martin O'Neill turned us down. Uh, but, I mean, look what happened to him at Sunderland. So, you know, fair play to Andy um, Andy Carroll, um, Sam Allardyce. He... Um, he got us up at the first time of asking. That's no mean feat, by the way. You know, it's, it's a hard feat to get you promoted. It's a hard division in the championship. Uh, a lot of people have failed at that. So, yeah, we did it through the playoff final. We had a glorious day at Wembley. So, you know, num- task number one gets promoted. Sam did that. Tick in the box. First season back in the premiership. Don't get us relegated. Well, who could know? We got a brilliant start last season and we finished 10th and we beat Chelsea at home 3-1. Uh, again, tremendous day. It was almost like our cup final <laughs> to beat Chelsea at, at home. Uh, you know, and we, we got some good wins. We held City. Um, we didn't quite do it with you boys. We had, I don't know if you went to the Bobby Moore uh, game where we were celebrating 20 years since Bobby Moore's death and... Uh, I'm sure you're aware, you know, that that famous Gareth Bale goal. Are you allowed to mention Gareth Bale still on this podcast or is, is his name banned? It's all right. No, especially we've, when, we've it's, when we're discussing that goal against West Ham, yeah. we can discuss it all we want. Were you guys there at that, that night? No, I wasn't actually. No, no unfortunately not. So, you know, that, that was a great night. And, and I thought we really, you know, that, that, that was quite a tight game. And, you know, you know, I thought we, we were winning at one stage and I thought we might, we might get the better of you. But Gareth Bale absolutely made the difference there um so you know we've had some exciting games under Allardyce now we come to this season this is the tricky second season syndrome isn't it and I'll be honest with you guys is his number one priority is not to get us relegated you know there is so much money now in this premiership you know um the money's gone up as I'm sure you know by 70 percent so you know the, the person who comes last this season we'll get 63 million and the team that comes top uh, maybe arsenal um will get 105 million um you know it's it's big money and therefore you've got to stay in the division if you want to do it we need to build our foundations and build up slowly we can't be saying yeah we want champions league as previous owners say or we we want a, a trip in europe or a cup run etc Premierships, a Premier League of survival has got to be our number one priority. Now, you could say we've started poorly, but so have Man United. Um, it's going to be tough. I think there's a there's probably seven or eight clubs that could be relegation, um, you know, in in the fight. But the only thing I I try and think of Sam Allardyce's teams don't go down, and 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 that's true. He doesn't get teams relegated. It might not be pretty at the end. It might be. A lot of 
direct football. But, you know, on our, on our podcast, we look at the stats, we look at the long balls. And you know what? A lot of teams lump it long. You know, when we just played Hull and Hull played a lot more long balls than us, Newcastle do, you know, and, and, and you can, a lot of the teams, even Everton uh, lump it long. And and when you look at the stats and we look at the Opta stats, it's it's not just us. I think he gets a bad rap, to be honest. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of, we're fickle fans and there's already a few people calling for a head. Uh, I think that's absolutely ridiculous because I don't know who we'd bring in. Uh, but for me, Sam's there, whether he's long-term, whether he still be there when we get to Olympic Stadium is another thing. But I think he's there to keep us in the division for the next few seasons. Dare I say, if you're saying uh, you're looking for someone who could potentially replace him, do you reckon the door would ever be open to a Mr. Harry Redknapp again? Oh, no. We could do a podcast just on Harry Redknapp and uh, <laughs> what went on at West Ham when he was there, but we would probably be in libel um, uh, situations straight away. Um I, I I don't see it. You know, I've got the greatest respect for Harry. I met Harry when he was West Ham manager. He's a really nice guy. Had always had time for the fans. Um, diamond geezer. But I, I I think there's too much water under the bridge. To be honest, is it just because he's managed Spurs? Is that it, Sean? No, it's, it's not that he's managed Spurs. You know, um, you know it. I, I don't hold a grudge. I think we would have welcomed back, most of us would have welcomed back Jermaine Defoe as well and obviously he's played with you for a long time. Um, and a lot of people, I, I, was, I was upset when West Ham fans booed Parker when he came back uh, for you to play us. And I think that really upset him because, you know, he was a tremendous uh, servant to the club as well and I don't think he deserved that. You know, I think banter goes too far sometimes. But... Uh, I just, I just think there's too much history and too much water under bridge for Harry. But I still respect him as a manager. So if, if you know, because my my preconception um, of Sam Allardyce is, you know, it's goalkeeper to striker, and the rest of the players just kind of run around and don't really do anything. I mean, how is it that you guys are setting up now? How, how have you been playing and approaching each game, really? Um, yeah, well, that is the problem, without a doubt. So you know, defensively, I think we're really strong. You know, our two centre. Well, we got three centre backs. You know, we've 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 got um, most of the time James uh, Collins, who we call Ginger Pele, uh, and Winston Reid, who's just amazing. Um, He's from New Zealand, is he? He is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm really pleased we could keep on to him. Uh, and then we've got uh, Tompkins as well, who came from the academy. And, and funny enough, Collins had just been dropped, and Tompkins got in. So you know, those three are interchangeable. Uh, and then we've, we've got Rat and O'Brien uh, as well. So we've got absolute solid defence. And one of the best goalkeepers, although his age, in, in the Premier League with, with Yassi. Uh So I'm really happy with our defence. And we, 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 we don't leak that many goals. You know, you see what goals we have leaked. They're very few and far between. And uh, mainly to set pieces. You know, two goals from Baines, a header from Lukaku, uh, a penalty from, from Hull recently. Um, but we are pretty solid. Uh, and midfield, we've got a lot of good people in midfield. I, I'm, I'm not so sure whether uh, Nolan's had his time, etc. Uh, but it all goes wrong uh, with, you know, up top, up front. You know, Mayega hasn't really done anything for us as a striker. Uh, Petrich, too early to say. 
we've tried Elliot Lee, we've tried Vaz Tay, uh, but and and this is to answer your original question, it still seems we're playing as if Andy Carroll was still there without Andy Carroll. Mm. So, so we are we we've set up to lump it, you know, to the big man. The big man that's is the not there with Sam Allardyce. <clears throat> that's the thing with Sam Allardyce football. It's it's effective when he's got the the personnel there. I mean. It's interesting that you bring up that Nolan's been less effective this season, and that's, in my opinion, entirely because he works off the knockdown of the ball. So when that second phase occurs, when you've knocked the ball forward and you've got somebody up there like Andy Carroll who can win their headers, Nolan's a fantastic player at making that run into the box and anticipating where the ball is going to be from that that challenge in that second phase of play. Whereas now with, with the lack of striker that you've got up there, you're having to, to come back further and get involved in play up the field that, that might be slightly more intricate than a header on from his striker. And that's that's where he seems to be failing. Um, yeah. I mean, from the signings as well, buying Stuart Downing and, and looking for somebody to try and whip the balls into a striker, you have built your team around a player that is unfortunately injured um, yeah, I so mean, you've got two good wing, you know, with Jarvis and, and Downing, they should be whipping them in all the time, but you need a target man to put it in there. I, I do think that Ravel Morrison will score a lot of goals, but I think he needs to take that role that Nolan's got, but I can't see Nolan being dropped. Um, and I think we still need that target man, whether short term that's going to be Carton Cole to fill in there, or whether, and this is a big one, if Sam changes it, maybe he'll play four four two against you guys on Sunday. But don't hold your breath. Yeah, well, I mean, how how do you see the game going? I mean, is is it something you are hoping that the the players are going to be up for? And yeah, yeah, it's a London derby, isn't it? Come on, the fans are up for this, the players are up for this. There's nothing like a London derby, and this is one of the greatest. There's 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 a rivalry, and I hope you know there's not a repeat of last season. You know, there was a lot of silliness last season. With 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 the talking of Lazio and, and the, the, the um you know the the, the chanting etc. You know from what I heard, I, I didn't go to it last season, but I hear it was a small minority. You you may know different if you were there, um, but that's that's what I hear. Um, and and our chairman and and the police have warned them this year that that's not any have any of that silliness this year. But it is a great London derby. And our fans are excited about it. The players are excited about it. And if there's one thing, you know, we we may have expected to beat Hull or, you know, some of these teams. We haven't probably got that same expectation playing you guys at home. But boy, will it be better if, if we turn you over on Sunday because it's even better because it's, it's, um, it's not expected. What I do guarantee you, though, it'll be a tight game. You won't walk all over us. This will be a tight game on Sunday. I mean, I think one one thing that concerns me as a Spurs fan, um, I mean, it, it, it is a very promising season. We've got a very good squad assembled here. Um, but one thing that I have noticed from the Arsenal game and from the Chelsea game, given that we do have a lot of new players in, um, yeah. and we've maybe lost some of our identity when we've lost the likes of Ledley King, we've lost the the kind of like the Raffle van der Vaart who really got into the derby and just some more of these kind of homegrown players, your Tom Huddlestones, your Scott Parkers. It was particularly um, noticeable in the Arsenal game. 
uh, even still to an extent in the Chelsea game, that there isn't so much that derby feel about some of these games at the moment. I was wondering if that's anything you have felt. Because, I mean, again, just looking from the outside, to me, West Ham seems, um, your squad at the moment at least, it doesn't seem to be like the sort of the West Ham teams of old, you know, where you've got a lot of local lads playing for the team. You've got not even local lads, but a lot of English players. It seems like you are kind of very much assembled from all over the place, if you like, much like we are as well at the moment. Yeah. And whether that sometimes some of that feeling of a derby is only shared really amongst the fans now and that the players don't really pick up on that as much. I'm going to disagree with you there. I, I agree about your team um, and that, you know, you brought in, what, 13 players over the summer and I think you haven't settled down, but I don't agree that about West Ham. There is more camaraderie in this team with Kevin Nolan. Kevin Nolan, I might moan about, he's a bit lazy and goes missing a while. But I tell you what, he's a brilliant captain. And the camaraderie in that dressing room is the best it's been for many, many years. It's brilliant. And the guys really playing for each other. You know, we're not getting the results. If you saw a match of the day, we were unlucky against um, Hull. You know, they got a penalty they shouldn't have done. We missed a penalty we should have done. We had more shots than them. We had more shots on target. It just didn't come off that day. And that could have been a win and we were out of trouble. You know, if we play like we did at Hull and, and, and get, we could get a result. And I think the players will be up this. Whether your players get that same thing, but... West Ham players are really driven on by the crowd. And I'll tell you what, there's going to be brilliant away support. You know, that will be a sellout and they will be singing and that will push the crowd on uh, or push the players on. Uh, so I, I, we will certainly be playing it as a derby. Whether your players, your new players get that, I don't know. But I think they're going to find out jolly quick um, the pace will be played and and what's going on with the, with the crowd noise. I think... One thing I would say, um, as much as you know, we like to get into the derby spirit of things. It's it's not always from a purely footballing perspective. Not always a massive negative. I mean, for example, against Chelsea, um, it was a very professional display. It was pretty ruthless, and it seemed as though the kind of the the nerves that surround the derby didn't really affect the players. Yeah, you know, there were the typical nerves because we were playing Chelsea, arguably one of the biggest teams in the world, but at the same time there wasn't that added caveat of it being a derby. Thus it meant our players could approach in a very almost clinical fashion at times. Um the downside of that being, I feel, we saw against Arsenal, when it really required that extra bit of passion, that extra bit of, come on, let's kick on, let's, you know, really take this to them. And that never really materialised, even though we actually, for my money, we dominated most of the game at the Emirates and actually probably deserved to take at least a point, um, but just never really kicked on. So, I mean, what about, what's your view on it, Raj? Um, it would be one, especially at home, that um, I'm expecting us to win. Um, just looking at West Ham season thus far, um, possible five points out of 18. They've won one in six. I mean, losing away to Hull and things, the performances might have been good, but it, if you want to be avoiding relegation, they're not the ones you're supposed to be losing. Um, I do think it's probably a bigger game for, for West Ham as a club than it is for Tottenham, both on and off the field. Um I think just because of where we are in the table now, Chelsea and Arsenal are, are probably more important fixtures for us now, and I think the fans respond to that in a in a in a much bigger way 
better than they do with West Ham. It's almost a, as I say, it's a, West Ham are a club that we do slightly poke fun at at Tottenham. Um, it's, um, it's probably by choice more than anything else, just because we because we have grown fairly exponentially in the past few seasons. Um, because we, we've kind of left them behind. We've got good memories of this fixture in recent years. Um, the only negative I can think of recently is the the, the one lasagna fixture at Upton Park. Oh, <laughs> other yeah. Than that, other than that, we've got we've got great um, memories of it. Mido scoring, Post Altieri four three. It's um it's always um it's always a good one for us. Um, so I'm I'm expecting us to win. Um, I do agree it'll be close because we, we've got a Europa League game we've got to go to Anzi Maka Ding Dong in the middle of Siberia <laughs> and midweek and nice, nice and PC of you there Raj right <laughs> that's what they're called um, they're not going to be listening oh, well, to well hopefully you, you'll be resting some of your players but uh, just on, on the blog I write for I just put a YouTube clip up because uh, I know the guy involved here and, and interviewed him for our podcast uh, one of our big strikers in the past, David Cross. So, 2nd of September, 1981. I know I'm going back a bit. When it's my birthday. We beat you 4-0, and David Cross scored all four of them at uh, White Hart Lane in uh, in 1981. And that, have a look at that tube on, on YouTube. But uh, Oh, that clip on YouTube. But uh, I, I, I might give that one a miss if I'm <laughs> <actually. laughs> But, yeah, I, we... Uh, we're not overly optimistic, but, you know, we'd be happy with a point and we'd be absolutely delirious if we nick it 1-0. I think I just, I think one of my most, uh, like, horrible memories of this fixture, I think it was, uh, I don't know, you're, you're going back a bit now, probably 96, 97. 97, 3-2, yeah. With I know it's Nigel good. Winterburn when he scored an absolute screamer to, to finish it and he hadn't scored for about... Ten years before, um, I think that was it, wasn't it? A White Hart Lane when Winterburn, he, he scored a goal. Um, that wasn't nice. I didn't like that one. But yeah, as Rush said, the Salteri goal, that was that was particularly nice. And I, I know what you're saying to, to an extent, Raj. I, I do think at, at, at the moment there probably is that. Yeah, it's it's not seen as one of the, the bigger derbies, much in the same way as when Arsenal were kind of absolutely dominating the Premier League um, in the early 2000s. They... You know, I think the the North London derby to them wasn't really that big of a game, and they saw themselves as more as rivals with Man United and so on and so forth. But there was still always that the element of it being a derby there, and that will still be present when we do play. And it always is when we play West Ham. You know, we enjoy beating West Ham as much as you know we do enjoy beating Chelsea or Arsenal when it's actually at that point, and you get to wave goodbye to all the fans. As they leave, dejected, you know. So hopefully, hopefully. I'm in the box. I'll be staying with the corporate and, and carrying on in your bar for a few more hours before I I, I, I head off. But Choke- we'll be winning anyway, so I'll be celebrating yeah. with champagne, choking on prawn sandwiches. I sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. But what, what do you what do you see the if you had to make a prediction? What do you see the score being? I would. Uh, so I I. I I think it will be close. I, I would obviously not go against my own team, so I'll go for a, a cheeky 1-0 win. Um, and I would go for the wonder kid to make the headlines, Ravel Morrison. Okay. How about you, Raj? How, how, how do you see us, not only, you know, how do you see the, the scoreline going, but also how do you see us setting up and who can you see playing and, you know... 
It's entirely dependent on on who plays in midweek. Given the previous Europa League games, um, I imagine the that there'll be a lot of rotation on Thursday. Uh, given the depth of our squad now, it's not actually as worrying as it used to be. We rotate. Um, I imagine the familiar faces of um, of Soldado and, and Townsend. However unfortunate for me that might be to, to be playing, and um, I imagine midweek we'll have players like Defoe and Chadley, and and Lamella will be playing, and Sandro will, will get a go. Um, so I think it'll be much the same Premier League eleven as we usually play, just because we've got that depth in order to do so. Um, hopefully Danny Rose should be back fit for then as well, so we should have a, a much more natural left back. Um, formation wise, we won't revert from anywhere. Uh, away from our usual 4 hybrid that we're playing at the moment. Um, that seems to be set in stone no matter the, the personnel. Yeah, score-wise, uh, I think I've said this every week now, but I, I, it's becoming more and more that I can't see us conceding. Um, against Chelsea, it was one horrendous set-piece that defensive as a, as a collective that, that allowed John Terry to score, of all people. Um, so... I can't see West Ham offering us that much in terms of um, pushing us there, especially with Andy Carroll missing. So uh, I can see Loris keeping a clean sheet. So I'd, I'd go for 2-3-0. I think it might be our most convincing win of the season. I remember last season's game at White Hart Lane was a complete walkover. Jermaine Defoe had one of his best games um, last season in this fixture. And I can see it being repeated, to be honest, because um, it's one that we, we do seem to to enjoy because West Ham do want to come at us and, and win it and just allowing us that little bit of space means that we, we can catch them. Well, exactly. That, that's going to be, that'll be the, 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 the death of West Ham. I think if you, if you like, um, will be the fact that, you know, if you, if you don't keep your organization at the back, we will be able to exploit that. Um, when we are particularly well organized and solid at the back, as are you, but as Raj points out, you know, if you, if you are kind of, Bringing it, then it's it's going to allow us that space in behind, especially with a player like Christian Eriksen as well, who seems to be really reveling in that position behind the striker, um, really reveling in any space that he is afforded. Um, although he did quite, you know, he did well in spells against Chelsea, um, but I, I would I would kind of echo a lot of what Roger said. I think I'll have to go two nil to Spurs. So we'll have to see if the. the if your lads on the pitch can silence us, though, Sean, um, and it's been a pleasure speaking to you as well today. Thank you for thank you for giving us your time. Um, and if there I are, would, I would wish you luck, but you know, I wouldn't really mean it. So, exactly. uh, <laughs> may the best team win on the day. <laughs> we will. And uh, yeah, if, if you if you do need any uh, you know help sending the away allocation, you know, just come and see Spurs as superstars. You know, like you say, we spent thirteen. We spent money on thirteen players there, Sean. So you know, just sorry, I'm just. You lost your best player. Diff. You know, your best. You lost your best player. In we sold Elvis and sold Elvis and got the Beatles. You know, as 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 we're saying, yeah, we we will see it in the <laughs> season. Look, well, guys, at the end of the day, if Arsenal, there's, I've got this funny feeling Arsenal's going to have a really good season this this uh, year, and I think you know, talking about your rivals, if they get, you know top dog and get um, get the premiership title this season I think it could happen if, if there's a dark horse for the title race this year it's those guys 
No, we've already screen yeah. skin crawl. Just thinking about it. We've already. It's, <laughs> it's lucky that we've already got it tied up. Yeah, never never say Spurs fans are delusional. We've we've won the league though. Trust me. <laughs> trust me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, if if any of you Spurs fans listening do want to get a little bit more of an insight into West Ham and you know what they have been up to this season, then you can also yeah check out as we mentioned at the start Sean's podcast um, on. Yeah, not uh, what is it? More, more, more than just a podcast. Double O M Double O R E. More than just a podcast. uk, and we're also on iTunes. And also West Ham Till I Die dot com. West Ham Till I Die dot com is the blog. Sean actually forwarded me an interesting article about the Y word issue. We haven't spoken about it today because it is quite a big, explosive issue. There's a lot to go into. So there is there is a good article on that, and also about the Tottenham songs because you know we I'm sure you know we sing a particular Tottenham song, which Arsenal sing as well. Uh, But in in recent years, there's zero tolerance certainly at West Ham now, um, and people have been arrested and banned for singing that song. Um, So I I don't see that being sung uh, on Sunday. Well, there you go. Um, you can also listen to uh, well our past episodes on iTunes. You can also check out the links to any of the Android, well, anyone on Android, you can check out links on spursstatman.com where you'll also find a bank of interesting articles, brilliantly written, of course, all edited by Raj here, my, uh, my compadre. And uh, yeah, well, thanks for listening once again, everyone, and come on, you Spurs. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 